Welcome to the Leadership Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jono White. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Clarity. We are an Australian-based consultancy that works with leaders around the world, and our passion is to invest in people to become everything they're meant to be in order to fill the world with healthy organizations that people love to work for and customers line up to buy from. The goal of this podcast is to invest in you and your leadership. If you're just joining us for the first time, then feel free to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there. The most popular being our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from around the world in all different sectors give their in-depth answers on leadership, what books they love, what they found most challenging, uh, the most meaningful stories, how they how they structure their time through the day. That's free, so go and check it out. And we'd love to interview you about your leadership. I believe you have advice from your experience, your context, and your life so far that is important and can help other leaders. It's also a great way to give back. It's free to get involved, and you can do so by going to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest, or just Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form that pops up. We have a free resource for you on our website. It's called Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook. It has interviews with 10 world-class leaders, and you can go to consultclarity.org. It's right at the top and get that today. Uh, we also have a daily email that we send out to over 15,000 leaders, and that email contains the highlights, our best content from our podcasts, our blog, uh, my book, uh, the books that we're loving that are out there about leadership, it's also the best way to get access to our masterclasses and workshops before anyone else. And there's also exclusive and limited uh, special options just for subscribers. And you can subscribe by going to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe. Now, my gift to you is to work incredibly hard to provide the best leadership content I can to invest in you and your leadership. So if you're finding our content helpful, if you find this podcast helpful, then your gift to me uh, could be this. If you, if you do find it helpful, then write a review or rate our content and make sure you subscribe or follow. I can't emphasize enough how helpful that is. It really does help us to get the word out there so we can invest in more leaders to become everything they're meant to be. It also means a lot to me personally when people like you and people in our community share our content on social media. So if you do that, then please do look for me, Jono White, to tag me and look to tag Clarity uh, on whatever platform you're on. And our team, including me, I, I'm always looking to see when people have mentioned us so that I can engage with you. And also we look at sharing content. So if you if you write something about something we've done, there's also a good chance we'll share that with our followers. So if you could do that, that is a massive, massive help as we try to invest in as many leaders as we can around the world. Last of all, you can check out my book about how to deal with difficult people even if you hate conflict. It's called Step Up or Step Out. It's available on Amazon. You can just look up Step Up or Step Out John O'White or you can go to store.consultclarity.org forward slash book and check it out there. I 
have coached leader after leader after leader. And in more than 50% of the sessions, this topic comes up. How do I deal with this person? I'm finding it really difficult. And, and I just want to find a way that doesn't blow up to do a really, just to have a difficult conversation, to lead them better. How do I do that? There's a three-step process that I outline in this book that I believe can help you. Okay, let's get into today's episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast. Today's guest is Peter Turnbull. Peter is chair of Calix Limited. Welcome to the podcast, Peter. Thank you very much, Jono. Uh, great to be with you. So first of all, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you do as chair of Calix Limited, but also some of the other roles that you have or, or recent things you've done? Mm, sure, Jono. Thank you. Um, as, as you mentioned, I'm the chair of the board of Calix Limited, which is uh, um, a very rapidly growing uh, clean tech company. Uh, grew out of Australia and uh, is now very much global in nature. Uh, uh, we we have a bit of a, um, a catchphrase at Calix that uh, our, our lot in life is to help solve global challenges. So we're, we're very very focused on some of the world's. Uh, bigger challenges such as emissions reduction, uh, water remediation, uh, aquaculture, feeding the world uh, uh, in more productive ways, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a tremendous company uh, uh, and all of this uh, comes out of uh, one platform uh, technology uh, that we have patented. But, but my, my background uh, is, is, is beyond Calix as well. I, I have what would be commonly referred to these days as a portfolio career. Uh, I, I'm on the board uh, of other listed public companies, quite sizable companies, uh, one of which is in uh, the energy sector, particularly oil based in uh, Australia but operating in Brazil. I'm also very involved in uh, emerging earlier stage technology companies uh, in, in the medical sector in, in particular uh, and in um, the energy transition uh, area where we're developing um, new gas reserves and things like that that will uh, feed into uh, the batteries and the, uh, the, the, the other infrastructure of tomorrow to help uh, reduce uh, emissions and uh, transform energy grids across the world. So it's, it's, a, it's a portfolio of directorships. Uh, I'm a non-executive uh, in each case, although some are more hands-on than others. So a portfolio of different roles, some of which I, many of which I chair, uh, some of which I'm a, a non-executive director uh, working with other board members and, uh, and a chair. So. Quite, quite diverse, Jono, and uh, uh, certainly uh, very interesting from my point of view. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for, for unpacking uh, some of those different uh, roles you have, and, and that's great. I want to um, find out a bit about your story. I know that uh, listeners love hearing uh, the stories of, of people like people like you doing incredible things, but where where did it start? I guess as we, if we kick off by looking back at, uh, at your childhood, at growing up, are there any moments from that season of your life or even themes that really shaped you to become the person and the leader you are today? Yeah, 
Oh, look, it's a it's it's a really interesting question, Jono, and it's not something that I would think about uh, in 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 the ordinary course. Uh, but I think it is uh, it is good to think about. Um, look, I, I cast my mind back to my childhood. I had a, a very comfortable childhood. I think when I look back now, one of the things I reflect on greatly is the fact that I was given a great education. I think sometimes you have to get to uh, quite a bit later in life to appreciate uh, that properly and to, to value it properly. But I also grew up with parents who were very ethical, if I can put it that way. You know, eth ethics were part of life, do it, do it the right way, do it once, do it the right way kind of attitude, if I, if I reflect back. And I think, I, I, I guess you don't know where your personal traits really come from, part of an environment, part of a genes, I suppose, but if I reflect on my own sort of um, capabilities, I, I, I have a great attention to detail. I, I, if I focus on something, I really focus on it. It's a sort of a never give up, uh, um, keep focusing and, and look for that outcome kind of personality. So I, I, I guess they're the things that come to mind, Jono. Yeah, no, thank you for thank you for sharing some of those things. In your career, do you remember do you remember when you really had your first opportunity to to lead where you it, you know, some people it's coming back to sports, some people it's still, you know, when they were growing up. Mm. Other people it was really the first time they managed a group of people. Do you remember your first real sort of leadership opportunity? Um, yes, again, a, a, an interesting question. Um, I think in my case, it, it, it is along the lines that you suggest. I mean, people tend to grow through, through different roles. Uh, the roles get bigger. And I think there's a progression that a lot of people go through from being a, a, a very competent and sometimes a very senior technical type manager, uh, that, that sort of transforming itself into people management. And I think that's what happened in my case. I guess it was, you know, in my 20s, I, I, I had um, bigger and bigger technical roles. Uh, but, you know, moving into my sort of early 30s, that I, I guess you're noticed for doing interesting or good things. And uh, the promotion sort of... Uh, comes with being a manager of people in time and that's that's a big change and for me that was I guess in my early 30s so the, the progression comes off the back of technical success and uh, morphs if you like into uh, more of a people management communication type role which is quite different to being a, a competent technical manager. Yeah that's interesting you bring that up because this is an area that as I talk with leaders, I feel like is coming up more than more than ever before. And, and what I'm hearing is a lot of leaders are finding that there's a gap, uh, say in the education sector, there's a gap that's, that's there that they're really struggling to close between a wonderful teacher and, you know, that person who's very skilled at teaching and has studied teaching, has taught for many years or a few years. But then they're, then they're promoted into a role where suddenly they have responsibility over a group of people and the skill set is completely mm. different. They talk about the gap. 
What did you find were the biggest uh, gaps for you when you went from that individual contributor role to a to a, a leadership management role? Mm. Yeah, great question. Um, look, th- this comes back to, um, I, I guess, how I perceive business and I, I, I think life in more generally. It's the, the, the really core skills are communication and negotiation for me. And I think they're, they're the things that come to the fore where you're managing, whether it's managing a group of people or a whole organisation or, or just trying to get through life. I mean, the, the, the things that matter the most to me are the ability to communicate and the ability to negotiate. Because if you think about your life on a daily basis, it's just a series of negotiations, um, one, one way or another. Most people wouldn't think of it in that sense, but that's, that's what life is about. You know, can I do this? Should I do that? Will someone let me move in this direction? Whatever. It's just a series of uh, negotiations, really. So having the skill to communicate to your team, to, 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 to listen. I mean, uh, I often say to people, listening is absolutely a skill which is uh, underrated in business but your ability to to communicate with your team your ability to take feedback and listen to them but to negotiate the way forward too to make sure everyone's with you is is for me really quite critical now not everyone possesses great negotiation skills because it's something where we're not generally taught it's something that's uh, learnt um, by many along the way, uh, some some much better than others. But I, I just sort of reflect that communication and negotiation skills, I think, are absolutely core to managing um, your team, but uh, much, much further beyond as well, Jono. Yeah, I love that, communication and negotiation. If we talk about negotiation, what have you learned about how to negotiate what what are the lessons you've learned through life and and leadership about how to do that well Mm. um well look there's a whole science uh uh, behind negotiation and the the skills that go with it but I, i i think in broad terms um be flexible uh you know you're not going to get everything you want every time so You've you've got to be you've got to be flexible. You've got to think about the different options that can fall out of a given situation, and you've also got to try and uh, be ahead of the game, if I can put it that way. You know, if if one thing happens, where does that lead? You know, does A, B, or C happen? So you've got to be trying to think ahead, uh, and 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 it's it's I guess it's to that sort of eye on the prize kind of setting. You, you you want to get to a particular spot so uh, you know you've got to, you've got to go keep in your mind how do I get there if a B or C happens stay flexible think ahead uh, try and anticipate the various things that can happen but you know there's a lot more science uh, behind uh, having top-notch negotiation skills than that but that's that's just sort of a broad brush I guess uh, John yeah, no, that's that's helpful. What about communication? Obviously, uh, well, 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 let me ask you this. In communication, do you find that you need very different skills from being, say, an executive team member in an organisation with your employees 
versus being um, on a board? Or do you feel like the skills that you're using now in communication as uh, you know a board member or chair of, of different boards um, in governance are the same sort of skills that uh, you know through your career you used in roles where you were leading or, or managing mm-hmm. people uh, in a team? Yeah. Um, look, just thinking about that, um, I, th- I, I think if you're talking about being an executive and having a sizable team, comparing that to being on a board, say chairing a board and uh, dealing with the other non-exec board members and, and the executive team, I, I, I think there are some similarities um, because what you're trying to convey is... Um, generally speaking, you know, a vision. We're trying to get to X point in the future. How do we do that? You're trying to make sure there's confidence uh, around that vision. I mean, do others agree with it or do others think it's uh, uh, not plausible? And you're trying to make sure or bring together commitment and people. I think commitment's very important when you're trying to, to execute on a vision and people are central to everything. So you're trying to convince a group of people. They're a different group in executive and non-executive aspects to some extent, but it's it's still a group of people. And you're trying to convince a group of people in many senses to come with you as the leader. So it's got to make sense. They've got to be with you. They've got to understand what you're trying to achieve. And you've also got to make sure that you do understand and draw out any negativity because people aren't generally you know people don't tend to be upfront in putting the negatives back to you so I think that's an important part of moving forward with any vision you know actually asking people you know is there agreement are there other views you know that's where that listening that I mentioned earlier I think comes in I think good leaders are quite proactive at, at, at drawing that out looking for it and drawing it out and dealing with it. Because if there isn't a commonality of uh, view, you, you, you've got problems uh, moving ahead to achieve the goals that you've set for yourself. Yeah, that's that's so true. Um, as you think of your career, uh, you know, up to now, I love to ask about aha moments. You know, some of those, some of those times or those seasons or sometimes really specific moments that for some reason stick with you and you they're very memorable because the penny drops about something or it's a, a lesson learned or on an idea or uh, just a really valuable lesson comes through uh, from, from a situation. Can you think of any aha moments that really you know come to mind at the moment from your mm. from your career Peter? Yeah look I, there's probably a couple Jono. I, I, I'm very involved in technologies I think you can tell from uh, from the earlier introductions I and I, I, I guess it's only in more recent times that I've uh, really understood what it mean, what it's going to mean the, the technology revolution if you like the fourth industrial revolution how big this is what it means for the world is is absolutely enormous the digitization of the world and where all this is going and uh, how, how it's going to affect people so that's, you know, it's a it's a great challenge, but it's uh, it's also a great pathway to improve many aspects of what goes on, what what is and will in the future go on in the world. And I think kind of a subset of that, um, I'm 
also involved, as I mentioned earlier, in the uh, what people would generally call the energy transition. That is the transition of the use of energy from fossil fuels in the main to uh, renewables to reduce emissions uh, all over the world. Uh, so th th this is an absolutely enormous transition and I guess it's only in recent years that sort of dawned on me uh, uh, in terms of how big it is and what, what great opportunities there are around that. And I think thirdly, a, a, a more general but uh, really valuable aha moment is that you're not the one really creating the value. Good people around you really create the value. You're, you're, you're managing people, uh, in some cases very big groups of people, but it's those people collectively, what they do, that really creates the value. Yes, I, um, I love that. I love that perspective, and it's it's such the challenge of uh, of leadership. I think that great leaders get things done through people, uh, but often people end up. You know, they we get leadership opportunities because of what we've been able to do. If we come back to what we mentioned before, the individual contributor, the the technical ability. It's what yeah. I do that gets me the opportunity yeah. now I'm in a leadership role and now everything changes and, and all of a sudden yep. um, my really what I need to learn to do is actually get things done through people and that yeah. is there any advice you'd give to uh, to leaders about how to make that change like what do you need to see differently how do you need to think differently to get things done through the people around you rather than trying to just do things yourself yeah, look, again, a great question. Um, I, I guess the first thing is to do what we're talking about here. That's to realise, fundamentally realise that, that these two situations are different, that you are moving from being, um, you know, a senior technical person to, to, a, to a manager who uh, is responsible for a small, medium or large team. So first thing is to realise what you're trying to do is quite different. Um, but I, I, I think, as we said earlier, uh, John, a lot of it gets back to uh, managing a team is about that communication and negotiation again. I mean, you you can't sit in a darkened office and be unavailable. Um, obviously, if you, you you've got to be out there engaging with the team to start with. I guess is a, a more positive way to put it. Um, you've got to be looking for the two-way feedback. You've, you've got to be, um, you know, you've got to be seen to be part of your own team. Be available, be engaging, be looking for positive and negative feedback at any given time. And I think it's very important too for leaders, we, we, we would term it walk the talk today, and I think um, it's a bit of a catchphrase, but um, you know, I, I, I think it has real meaning for leaders. You, you need to lead by example. You know, what you do must be consistent. It must not be different to any other standards you set for your team. You have to be leading by example. And I think the minute you move away from that kind of standard, it, it's, it's the kind of thing that's immediately noticed and negatively commented on. So you want yes. to be a leader, you lead by example, lead by your own consistent standards and you know be every bit as good if not better 
uh, in terms of those standards as any as you would expect any member of your team to be. Yeah, I love that walking. Uh, you know, walk the talk. It's such. It's such good advice because, like you said, it's it's amazing how quickly people will pick up on it if we're not uh, living that out. Um, for sure, for sure. You mentioned also the uh, you know just realizing the significance of the of the you know the change across society going on right now. What, what would you say to leaders? What, what do you see as the most common? misconceptions or the areas that people from your experience really need to change their thinking to embrace how the world's moving so that we don't sort of get stuck <laughs> and realize oh wow I, I'm, I'm sort of still 10 years I'm thinking like everything was 10 years ago but things have moved so quickly how do we what do we how do we need to change our thinking um look we we are in a very difficult world uh, at the minute, not not just because of uh, the very serious and obvious uh, war-related issues in uh, in Eastern Europe, but that that is one issue. But you know, if you look at the bigger picture, um, COVID has really um, has really disrupted the world, uh, and and in particular, as everyone knows, uh, all sorts of supply chains, as well as the um, uh, the ability to find and retain good people. I think, I think many leaders around the world are grappling with uh, the difficulties of getting and keeping the right people. So I think people number one is a huge issue at the minute. Um, how do I find the people I want? How do I find enough people? How do I find the right people? Then how do I keep them? Um, that's where things like uh, employee incentive and option plans come in. I think over the next few years they will, they will in in those in the companies that have them will become uh, even more important. So p number one, pe people's a big issue, John. Um, and we're in a much more global world now, um, e even though it seems to be in some senses shrinking back uh, uh, a little bit from the globalisation we knew, but. You know, it's 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 possible to have other people uh, taken on in other parts of the world now that uh, you know we 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 might not have thought about uh, even a few years ago. So your 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 pool for talent may, in some senses, be much bigger. Um, but it's a real issue, I think, uh, getting and retaining the right people. I think, secondly, um, I I like to focus on the management of risk quite a bit because I think. COVID has been a wake-up call itself for the world in terms of um, whoops. Well, we we really didn't see that coming, did we? Um, we've all got risk matrices that run for probably 30 pages in some cases, and you detail the most uh, minute risks across an organisation. But most of it, I mean, how many of us can say that we really saw COVID coming, and we were really in a position to manage a global pandemic? properly. So, you know, I, I, I think COVID's been a bit of a wake-up call in terms of how we perceive and manage risk. So, you know, I think the leaders of today really need to think about people, um, finding them, keeping them, and having a having another look at uh, how how risk is, is really managed. And 
are we are we doing that uh, as best we can? Yeah, that's uh, that's so true uh, around COVID and and risk. Uh, I want to ask you something about your roles with uh, with boards and in governance. You know, there are a lot of leaders who. Mm will have experience maybe they started as an entrepreneur and built their own organization or maybe they've they've been manager and now they're in a, a more senior leadership role but i feel like to a lot of leaders they scratch their heads to really understand exactly what it is and what goes on in a role where uh, you know doing doing what you do in your in your day-to-day uh work i feel like sometimes people scratch their heads to understand it so it's a bit of an introductory uh, question, but um, can you unpack, I guess, exactly what is the role of a board of, say, a listed uh, company and particularly the chair? And, and also, if you don't mind the <laughs> sort of silly question, but what do, you actually, what do you actually do in that role? Like what are the practical things that you'll do in a, in a role like, uh, like many of the roles you have, Peter? Yeah. Oh, look... Um... Fundamentally, if we're, if we're talking about, let, let's sort of focus on listed companies, which can be, you know, small, medium, or large. But listed companies and 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 also uh, private companies too. Uh, the, the role of the board is uh, fundamentally to ensure uh, that the company has the right strategy. Number one, number two, that the company has the right governance platform and processes and standards. And I think importantly, and there's other ones apart from the ones I'll mention, but, but other, other roles as well. But number three, the, the big roles, uh, would be to make sure that you're, you've got the right management team in place and that that particularly means uh, the CEO or the managing director. It's fundamental for, for a board to have the right uh, leader at executive level. And that's, you know, that's often where... Um, where boards and chairs and, and uh, myself in the past, you, you can get that wrong. I mean, there's no guarantees when you take on a new CEO that it's all going to work out. You know, everyone does it with the, the best of intentions, but sometimes it doesn't work out. And uh, over time, obviously, organisations change and uh, the CEO of yesterday is not the CEO you need for tomorrow. So fundamentally Jono, the, the the board really focuses on strategy governance and uh, uh, the leadership team the chair uh, themselves his or her uh, role is 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 to manage the board in in simple terms it's to manage the board so that's that's a board of uh, like-minded uh, equals like-minded non-executive directors uh, boards can be very fragile things because there's all sorts of different personalities, there's egos, there's different agendas. You're throwing a bunch of different people into one room, essentially. That's what you're doing. Um, and they'll have different technical skills, they'll have different backgrounds, they'll have different uh, uh, a different level of ability to allocate time. Some, some people have too many board roles these days, for instance. So uh, what I mean by all of that is it can be quite a fragile environment. So the role of the chair, therefore, is absolutely critical. So the chair's there to manage this group. Um, the chair's there to uh, 
uh, work with the company secretary, if if there is one, or at least the senior leadership team, to set set the agenda, set the forward agenda. What what does the board need to be looking at, and when? And the chair particularly also builds a, a very important bridge, or needs to build a, a very important bridge between the board itself and the CEO or managing director. You know, they, chairs and uh, um, the leader of uh, the executive leader of an organisation tend to work very closely together, much more so than uh, any other non-executive director. So that bridge and that bond is uh, is really very important. That can be quite fragile too, and uh, that also doesn't always work out and can be different uh, at, at given times in, a, in an organisation's development. So fundamentally, the, the chair is there to manage the board, to make sure the forward agenda is what it needs to be and to, and to listen to the views of, of, of other board members. Obviously, there's, a, there's that sort of two-way communication loop going on there too because non-executive non types are no different to executive types. They're not necessarily going to put all the negatives right uh, in front of you. So it's important again to draw out disagreements or uh, people-related people issues. Uh, directors don't always get on with each other for instance. So you know there's a, there's a real mm. listening and communication exercise there too, Jono. Yeah, one thing that I find interesting about boards is when when I'm working with an executive uh, team, you, I guess one of your biggest um, tools in, in the toolkit for, for the leader is is your regular leadership team, executive team meetings. And that time together to understand each other, to get to make sure that you're aligned. One of the challenges that I see with boards is that you often don't have as much time together as say an executive team does, how do you manage that? How do you manage the fact that, like you said, sometimes you'll have these interpersonal challenges, but you you, you don't have the weekly rhythm of being together that, that uh, executive teams do? Yeah. Look, that's a great observation. Um, and it's uh, it's been made, that, that particular issue for many has been made all the worse by COVID because we're all zoomed out. We're all teamed out now. We're 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 all, I think, getting uh, a little bit tired of holding all our meetings uh, via online platforms, which has, for most boards, cut out the chance to have a dinner, for instance, the night before the board meeting, or or a lunch, uh, or whatever. Just a little bit of social. Not not like the old days when it used to be. <laughs> Way back, it uh, used to be much more of a focus on that as the, the key issue, but just it, it's negated the time available these days in person to get to know each other. So, look, in that sense, it is a great observation. There's, there's no easy answer to it. I mean, everybody has made the online platforms work, but I think we're at a point now, certainly for boards, where people are very much ready to be with each other again and to spend a bit more time together to do that, to make sure that that lunch or dinner or just a few hours of social time together uh, is happening and is possible again. I think the other thing that COVID's probably stopped happening for most boards is site visits, you know, the bigger companies to, to visit a factory or to visit uh, a facility. Uh, that that used to be quite 
routine for, for, for bigger sort of companies in particular. So, you know, boards, the board members would spend time together uh, going to a site or a facility or, or something like that and uh, talking with the, uh, um, the team uh, wherever they went. So I think that sort of thing is going to start up again and, and probably has already for, for some. So, look, I think the only answer, Jono, is that you recognise the problem, you recognise what COVID uh, has, has certainly stopped happening, and uh, uh, I think many of us really need to get back into having that time together again. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's no substitute for that. And, um, you know, talking with a, a lot of leaders even in the day-to-day -day operation, one of the, one of the challenges of remote work uh, which which isn't going anywhere, and, and we all know that in some, you know, in, in, it's just going to we're going to have to yeah. get used to it. That it's going to look different. But yep. is uh, people have gone from being in an office together to remote, and they've they've realised that there were all these incidental, immeasurable, informal communications that happened. The the quick you know pop into yep. the office yep. when something comes up rather yep. than sending an email. The uh, you know bringing in a coffee for for your maid and sitting over a coffee or going into yep. the kitchen making yep. a cup of tea and no one's measuring those but I, I think people are realizing once you take them away suddenly a miscommunication you know pops up that can actually be quite uh, serious and you realize where, why is this happening and I, I keep hearing leaders talk about how um, I, I think they're learning that those little incidental communication and, and moments of being together and working together in teams has yeah probably had a bigger impact than we realised. I absolutely agree with that, uh, Jono. I think that's a great observation. Um, you know, e e email and text does not convey feelings. It does not convey the same way body language, feelings or emphasis. You know, that's, that's, that's part of this issue. Uh, but it's a big change. I, I agree. I think it's a great observation and uh, we need to think about this carefully and we need to think about if you're going to pursue the hybrid model, how do you make sure that these misunderstandings or, or, or how do you make sure misunderstandings aren't happening and how do you make up for the loss of these uh, intangibles, if I can call them that, uh, that, that we're losing? The other thing that I think is happening a bit is that you know instead of walking to the office with a coffee as you said um, you know it's an email or a text or something like that which just creates uh, another thing on the list to deal with and it's in many cases an element of further delay you know if we're if 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 the whole organization is trying to get on with things i mean you don't want a fundamental model that just keeps putting further time delay into the system, you know, get text, get email, need to answer, you know, that'll be half an hour or an hour or a day later, whatever it is. So it's not the same sort of uh, almost instantaneous engagement that happens in an office. And I think, I think that's an issue too. Yeah, I think it's a big opportunity for people in, in say technology um, or for people who are interested in creating products uh, and software, I think anything that helps to solve this problem, anything that, that mm. people go, oh, when I use this, it really helps to facilitate these sort of conversations. Um, 
I, and I don't even know what that looks like, but I just, I really believe that anyone who can really uh, create innovation in this area, I think is going to be incredibly yeah. successful. I absolutely agree, John. I, um, I, I don't know exactly what it like looks like yet either, but um, we need to understand what we've lost here. If we're going to, as is going to happen, it's going to be a hybrid model for many. Uh, we need to know how we're going to make up that deficit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, uh, let me jump into Leadership Express questions. I've got a few questions for you, Peter. Are you ready? Yep, sure. Okay, the first one is, what's a book that you've gifted to other people? Uh, look, this is something that was given to me some time back. Uh, it's a book, and I've given it to other many other people since, but it's a book called Numbers Don't Lie. It's by Vaclav, V-A-C-L-A-M, Vaclav Smil, S-M-I-L. It's a very interesting book about numbers, and how numbers fit into the world and uh, in, in, in some senses it sounds ridiculous but how the world works it's it's a really good read Vaclav uh, uh, is is actually a guy that uh, Bill Gates admires greatly so that'll give you some idea of uh, the sort of quality of the content yeah I love it that's a great recommendation I haven't had that one before so thank you um, are there any that's well, well worth yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a really interesting topic. Are there any podcasts that you are really enjoying right now or any books that you're currently reading, any blogs you're following? Uh, there's one I'm about to listen. Well, it's, it's actually a webinar. I, I forgot to mention at the front end, uh, John, I'm, one, of, one of my other roles is I'm president of the uh, Chartered Governance Institute, which is a global... Uh, uh, governance organisation that's uh, been around for 130 years and uh, has about 30,000 members uh, all around the world. It's a tremendous organisation and uh, well worth people in corporate uh, uh, life having a look at, the Chartered Governance Institute. Uh, but uh, the Institute's just put on a, uh, a webinar about the ethical governance of artificial intelligence, uh, which I think will be on the website. I, I'm about to listen to that because I couldn't be there for the uh, uh, the live uh, uh, event. So I, I think it's a great topic. Um, we'll, we, we, yeah. we hear about artificial intelligence a lot. It is playing a role, but we don't hear so much about how this is all going to potentially unfold. So this is an interesting angle being the, the ethical side of how AI is going to be governed. Yeah, thank you. That's a great uh, recommendation for, for listeners to uh, to go and check out. Uh, okay, let me let me ask you this. Do you have any favourite questions you ask? Maybe you're in a board meeting, and uh, this is something that you always ask as part of your uh, as part of your process, or if you're interviewing for a, a CEO as part of the process for, to bring someone on board, or just when you're with a team. Any favourite questions? Hmm. Um. I guess when I'm 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 trying to understand people's behaviours. So I think as a chair, particularly, you're trying to understand what's driving someone. So I, I will ask questions that 
try to get to the underlying behaviour, particularly if it's something that's a little bit hard to understand. So, you know, I'll, I'll ask people to clarify what they've said in some cases, or be clear, clearer, clear or clearer about uh, an option that they're putting forward. So it's, for me, it's just trying to be really clear about what someone's really thinking. Again, because the negative stuff is not just going to naturally rise to the top uh, in many cases and be transparent. So for me, it's mm. just about asking uh, generally clarifying questions, questions that draw out further detail to test what someone's really thinking, particularly if you're a little bit unsure about whether what they're saying is either the full story or the right story. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a great thought, great advice. What is a commonly held belief about governance that you passionately disagree with? Um, look, there would be some views around the world that governance is just a, a complicating factor, that, that governance isn't valuable. Uh, uh, my my, my organisation is just full of process and procedure and it's it's all governance's fault uh, within the organisation or even a government or whatever that we can't get things done. I think, I think that's just a, a nonsense sort of a proposition. Uh, you know, the, the, the fundamental good governance of any organisation is, is the core of its value. You know, you do things properly, you do them once, you do them properly... Uh, you do them in the best interests of uh, your stakeholders and, and that's where the value derives from. But some people in you know some parts of the world and some people, um, there can be a bit of a backlash to blaming governance uh, for being too complex or too per pervasive or gets in my way. Uh, quite often, as you would know, John, I mean, that's... that's that's an argument uh, for people, in essence, wanting to do the wrong thing, or, or cutting corners, <laughs> or cutting corners, yes. or whatever else might come with that underlying behaviour. Yeah, that's right. No, uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing that, and um, I think that's why that's why yeah, good governance and healthy governance is is the opposite of that, right? Like it really, uh, yeah. it really does uh, prioritise the right thing, and it's it's incredibly important, particularly when you are talking about That's large, absolutely. large organisations with significant responsibilities. Um, speaking yeah. uh, once again about boards, what's a big struggle or problem that uh, board chairs and and board members are facing today? I think. Uh, look in broad terms, Jono, how to how to regroup after COVID and what what COVID has uh, reaped on them. I mean, it's it's been a very very significant event this global pandemic, and as we touched on earlier, I mean, none none of us really saw this coming to the degree that it has reshaped and disrupted the world. So. I think people are trying to come to grips, boards and board chairs and, and, and the senior management team are trying to come to grips with what does the post-COVID organisation look like? How much was it affected by COVID? 
one of the other aspects of COVID that's really only occurred at the back end, if I can put it that way, is all the supply chain disruption is a much more recent event, which again, I don't think everyone saw coming. So many, many organisations are now grappling with what that supply chain disruption means to them. You know, they're in a position to get on with life, but they're being prevented from uh, conducting their business uh, as well as they could because of uh, these supply chain disruptions. So that's a major event. But I, 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 I guess it's a replanning of the organisation or a reviewing of where the organisation is post-COVID. And what are the new goals, if any? I mean, maybe, maybe things haven't changed, but at least you need to uh, have a very good look to make sure that's the right answer. And uh, where things do need to change, uh, I think all that's sort of happening at the minute, setting new goals, setting new targets, mm. working, working out how you're going to work uh, in many cases, as we've touched on with a hybrid employment model, not, not the one that uh, you, you've been used to for many years. So. Uh, I, I think they're probably the, the key things at the minute for many, Jono. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last question. If you could only give one piece of leadership advice to a young leader, what would you say? I think that comes back to our earlier point. Quite simply, be an effective communicator and negotiator. I do love it when there's a good theme that comes back around through an episode. <laughs> No, that's that's wonderful advice, uh, Peter. I will stand you a good step. Yeah, no, I really love it. I, I really do. Um, there's actually a great book on negotiating. Uh, it's called Split the Difference. That's been really popular. It's been on the New York Times bestseller. I don't know if you've come across yes. uh, that by Chris Voss. I haven't seen it yet, no, but I, I will have yeah. a look. Yeah, since it's something you're so passionate about, I'd highly recommend it. It's I always um, test these things out. Whenever I recommend something, you see what comes back to you. And this book, whenever I've recommended it to anyone, they always come back and uh, and rave about it. They've read it multiple times. But it's yeah. he, Chris Voss, was a was an FBI negotiator, hostage negotiator, and he's basically written this book uh -huh. to apply to life and and business and leadership, um, based on the principles that they used as FBI. Uh, yeah. You know, hostage negotiators, which is, which just gives a lot of depth to and and incredible stories as well. So, yeah, wonderful, that, that uh, a wonderful fantastic. book. Yeah, I can't I can't recommend it highly enough. It's a great book. <laughs> well, um, for people who have really enjoyed today and uh, have have enjoyed your advice and want to find out more about you know some of the organisations that you're involved in or. Uh, you know, on LinkedIn or Twitter, are you very active anywhere there? Is there anywhere people can follow you or find you online, Peter? Oh yes, John. I look. Uh, LinkedIn's probably the uh, well. The, there's the websites of the various companies, but I think LinkedIn's probably the easiest place to go to, which is under Peter J Turnbull AM. Excellent. People can can check that out. And I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. I, I love having episodes that cover different topics and uh, it's been wonderful to chat with Peter today and to spend a good amount of time talking about boards and governance and I think there'll be a lot of leaders who will have learned something new. I know I know I definitely have. It's been really uh, 
wonderful to lean in and learn from Peter. Uh, for our listeners, don't forget that I also have the John O. White Leadership Podcast and the Leadership Question of the Day Podcast, two other places where you can go to invest in your leadership. But I want to finish today by saying a massive thank you to you, Peter, for being so generous with your time and for sharing uh, really wonderful wisdom with me and with our listeners. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Jono, and thank you to your listeners uh, for listening. Much appreciated. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Leadership Conversations podcast as much as I did. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to check out consultclarity.org. That's our website, consultclarity.org. We have so many free resources on there, including our seven questions on leadership series. We've had more than 1,500 leaders from all over the world in all different roles, in different industries, answer these seven questions on leadership and leaders give these in-depth answers around how they spend their time, uh, a book that's been significant for them. It's just a gold mine. It's completely free to access. So go to consultclarity.org and look for that. We'd also love to interview you about your leadership. I believe your experience, your life, your context means that you have advice on leadership that other leaders can learn from. Yes, you, if you're going, not me. Well, no, I really believe you would have something to add. So if you're looking for a way to give back, it's completely free to get involved. And we would love to interview you through the seven questions on leadership. You just go to consultclarity.org forward slash seven dash questions dash interest or Google consultclarity.org seven questions interest and fill out the form and get involved. We have a free resource on our website called the Leadership Survival Guide. It's a 57-page ebook, 10 world-class leaders giving their thoughts on leadership, and that's completely free. It's available on our homepage, consultclarity.org, right at the top. So make sure you go and get that and download it today. And we have a free daily email that you can subscribe to. We send this out to over 15,000 leaders from around the world. And uh, it contains the highlights of content from our podcasts, our blogs, um, our books, books we're reading. It's got the best content and it gives you exclusive, limited, early access to our masterclasses, workshops, new products, special offers. It's all for our subscribers. You can go to consultclarity.org forward slash subscribe and join 15,000 other leaders and you know, my gift to you is to work really hard, particularly through the Leadership Conversations podcast. I have been blown away by the quality of the leaders and I'm learning as much as anyone in doing these interviews. So I, I'm having a great time. And my gift to you is to keep lining up the best leaders I can to invest in your leadership. Your gift to me, if you're finding this helpful, there is something that you could do that would help us out massively. And that is to write a review and to leave a rating for our podcast or wherever you're watching or listening to this, I can't tell you how much that helps us out. Also subscribe or follow. It really does make a difference in helping us to help more leaders become everything they're meant to be. Another thing that means a lot to me personally is when I see our community share our content. So if you do share this or any other piece of content on social media, then thank you and, and please do that. And look for me, John White or clarity and tag us in your post. Our team is always looking for posts to engage with from our community. And there's also a chance that we'll share your content uh, to go beyond and share it with our followers. 
Last of all, you can check out my book. It's called Step Up or Step Out, How to Deal with Difficult People Even If You Hate Conflict. I wrote this book because 50% of the coaching sessions I have with leaders, this topic comes up again and again and again. And it's this idea of how do I have this difficult conversation? How do I lead this person better when I'm finding them difficult? Or in some cases you look and you say, I think I might be leading a difficult person. They're just quite difficult to lead or I'm finding them quite difficult to lead. So there's a three-step process that I unpack in step up or step out. And the amazing thing, and I've literally done this myself and I've heard it anecdotally from other leaders as I've coached them, is that if you follow this process, you will see that person step up and change their behavior or make a decision, which is to step out some of the time. Uh, 95% of the time, people will step up or step out in just four weeks. And I stand by that. It's uh, You have to read the book to understand, but uh, I really do believe in it and I've experienced it firsthand. It works. So you can go to Amazon, look up Step Up or Step Out John O. White or store.consultclarity.org forward slash book. Well, thank you so much for listening. We're going to be back with a new episode next time of the Leadership Conversations podcast. And I hope today has helped you to take another step towards becoming the leader you're meant to be. See you next time. 